excited about what's going to happen directly after the service, and that is our baptism service. I can think of nothing greater than to celebrate than, as Young Ho was saying, death to the old nature and celebrating life of the new one. I would imagine that most of you here at some point in your life have been to a funeral before. I have been to my fair share of funerals. I have also ministered at some funerals. And I have yet to experience myself uh, arriving at a funeral and everyone saying, wow, we're sure glad that person's gone. Um, That's typically not how a funeral goes. There maybe is a celebration of a life, but no one stands there and says, wow, we're glad that's over. We're glad they're gone. Let's move on to some new people. I have never preached a sermon that way, and nor do I have any plans to. But, uh, but today, in, in our activity of being a part of a baptism service, um, it's like almost attending a funeral and a birth at the same time. And this is one funeral when it's good to say, we're glad that old nature is gone. We're glad that it is no longer a part of us and that the opportunity has been made through what Christ has done to see that old man forever buried and his power extinguished and that God gives us a new life. And so today, in keeping with what's going to be happening after service. I just want to draw your attention to baptism, really what it is, how we can celebrate it, not just today, but every day. And the event that we'll go through where people are placed under the water, nothing actually takes place supernaturally at that event. It is a marker for us. It is a visual reminder to us of the work that Jesus Christ has done, and it allows us to fix our eyes very visibly on an event in time and constantly look back and remember what happened to us through what happened to Christ. If you'll remember when the children of Israel walked uh, across the Jordan to take possession of the promised land of God, There, under the instructions of Joshua, God told them to build memorial stones in the river that were erected and that were to stand there for generations to come, that all of the people could always look back and remember the old, but be grateful for the new. And that is what we do today in baptism. We celebrate that the old has been cut off, that it has been forever buried, and that God has brought us something into very new. Can I hear an amen? It's wonderful celebration today. These things are made available to us, not through our own efforts, not through our own works, but by simply having union with Christ and living in fellowship with him. Salvation as it is delivered to us is a beautiful package. And as it comes, it is opened, and in the contents of that package is everything that we need for life and godliness. And a part of what you and I need to live successful, empowered lives here on planet Earth is to take and to claim the death of Christ as our own death. His death comes to us in two unique and powerful ways. First of all, Christ was our substitute. He did what we could not do. He came and hung on a cross and bled and died for our sins, something that none of us could do. 
in part because it took a spotless, sinless man, a perfect sacrifice to forever cleanse and perfect and sanctify those who have faith in him. That is the first part of his death as it comes to us as our substitute. The second part is that Christ invites us and applies his death to us and that we are co-crucified with him. That means, and that, and that explains for us why Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul himself was not crucified. Uh, he did not hang there on a, on, a, on a tree or on a cross. But yet he could say, I have been crucified because Christ has made his home inside of me. And what is of Christ is also declared mine. Because he died I, his death becomes my death. His life becomes my life. His, his burial becomes my burial. His crucifixion becomes my crucifixion. That is what we celebrate today. And so I hope that as we go through these simple points today, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. And he will remind you of the miracle of salvation. Salvation is not just a state of mind. Salvation is not just a way of thinking. Salvation is a miracle that transpires only by the hand of God. It is irrespective of our action. It requires our faith to believe that it's true. And then the Bible says that we are made just or holy by living, by having faith in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. It is a miracle that you have eternal life, that you can stand before a holy God, that God does not owe us anything, God does not have to give us anything. Matter of fact, it was God's wrath that was ready to be poured out upon us, yet Christ stood in as our great substitute and bore the penalty and wrath of God, so that now today, as, as Hebrews tells us, you could stand before God in his holy presence as someone who is perfectly clean, as someone who is blameless, as someone who is washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and that can stand before God without one single fault. That's something to get excited about. Now, your mind and your conscience might condemn you today. The devil might bring up the things that you did yesterday or even this morning or last night. The devil might bring up a, a list of, of things that you've done in your past. But I want you to know today that God's list is greater. That God's estimation and value and viewpoint of your life is greater than sometimes even your own and certainly that which the devil tries to present to you. And that if you will agree with the truth of God, if you will embrace it, if you will feed on the truth of God, it will become strength to you. You will taste and see that God is good, that his mercies endure forever, and that you can stand before a holy God with great confidence, with great boldness, making your petitions and requests known, knowing that you are cleansed and blameless and holy in his sight. It is what happens to us in this wonderful event of the new birth, and we celebrate that today in baptism. There's a scripture that I want to share with you. It's found in Romans, right here, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. It speaks of baptism in several different places throughout this text, and I'm going to read it here for you. It says, and don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead the glory, uh, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God in the same way Count yourselves, one version says, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This one text summarizes, I think in great clarity, the event that we're going to be doing today in baptism. It goes even deeper than just going under the water, and it gives us a glimpse into the spiritual realities of what God has accomplished for us. Paul wrote these words, and he was able to say in verse 6, know this. And if I could encourage you to do anything today, know this one thing, that you have been crucified with Christ. If you have called upon his name, if you have embraced his life, if you have asked him to be Lord and Savior over all, then his death becomes your death. And you can say with assurance today and with boldness, I know this, that my old sinful self has been crucified with Christ. And then, as it says in verse 11, we are to take a stance. And that is to count ourselves or to consider ourselves as a habit in our daily walk to consider ourselves dead to an old nature. Now, sometimes there are great challenges against that because our old nature in contact with this world, likes to try to convince us that it's still alive. How many know what I'm talking about? Through temptation, through pools of sin or pools of uh, of things that come to us that try to entice us and draw us back into living in that power of that old nature. But the Bible is clear right here when it tells us to take a stance, to take a viewpoint, and to consider ourselves dead to sin. No longer slaves bound by an evil slave master called sin, but free and alive to God that we can now have faith in a new life that is given to us. So faith is required in two parts. Number one, that we have faith that our old nature has been crucified with Christ. And number two, we have faith that a new nature has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Paul would say it in another place in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Every day I live, I live by faith in Christ's life that is inside of me. I live by faith. I'm walking by that faith and by that knowledge that it is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. And that viewpoint, that mentality, that perspective I hold, and I live every single moment by having confidence in Christ's life within me. Amen? Amen. So uh, uh, I think another great point for us to hear today is that when we go through this glorious process of salvation or this event of salvation, 
that it is not now a hand-in-hand partnership with Christ in life where we walk down a road together and a journey through this world together. My friends, that is the wrong picture of salvation. It is not that we hold and esteem Jesus Christ in, in the scriptures up as our great example and our great model that we live up to and that try to conform our lives to. Jesus is not to be our model. Jesus is not to be our example. Jesus is to be our life. And that his life is within us. It's something far greater than a model. Something far greater than an example. For those of you who view Christianity as Christ an example in the scriptures to look up to, I can guarantee that your Christian experience has been frustrating. (laughs) Because you can't find the power to live up to that model. You can't find the ability within yourself to live up to the example that you see in the scripture. But my friends, we are given something more than just an example. His life has come to abide in us. His heart, his will, his purpose, his mind, his thoughts, his actions, his words, his miraculous power has come to invade our lives to fill us with himself. And from the inside out, we have something more than an example. We have the radiant nature and presence of Jesus Christ. It is his life now. So our great job in this journey through life is to get out of the way. (laughs) Is to get out of his way and invite him to take lordship and ruler, uh, 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 the place as ruler and master of our life and keep affording him ground and space in our walk to say, Jesus, it's all you. It's all your words. It's all your desires. I know that I have been crucified. I get out of the way and I yield all of this ground to you. Lord, let me be led by you. That is what salvation is. It's not a partnership in life with Christ. It is a possession where Christ's life takes you over. That should put to ease your mind and your struggles for holiness. That should put to ease the the, the fight that we have against sin because you know it's no longer your power, but the one who defeated sin now lives inside of you, and his power has the ability to overcome every sin. Jesus Christ was made manifest, Hebrews tells us, to extinguish the power of sin. Oh, you missed a good time to say amen. Wow, what a celebration that we can have today. That we just are not afforded an example of the past, something that happened 2,000 years ago, and that we have to reach back in our memory and reading the scriptures to think of something that happened way back then and try to make it applicable for today. My friends, if that's all that you have, you just have a technical salvation. You just have a mechanical salvation. You understand the process, but you have not experienced the living reality of Christ's presence in your heart, defeating sin, defeating temptation, defeating the power of the enemy inside of you. There is a beautiful example given to us in the book of Matthew when Jesus decides to go into the leper colony. They were on the outskirts of town. 
They had been banished. No one was to have physical contact with them for fear that their disease would spread and and infect the others within the, the town and village. But yet Jesus marches into that village. There a leper man comes to him and extends his arm and touches Jesus. The crowd gasps. The disciples gasp. Oh my goodness, Jesus, don't, don't interact, don't touch. But the Bible tells us that the virtue of God flowed out of Jesus. And there was greater than the power of that leprosy. That light was greater than darkness that day. And the strength of God was greater than the strength of the enemy. That the holiness of God was greater than sin. And it was the presence of Christ in that man's life that was greater than that leprosy. And leprosy has always been an an, an example of sin in the Bible. Yet Jesus Christ, in his virtue, in his strength, in his presence, was able to overcome that leprosy. He's able to overcome your sin if you will but have faith in his life that has come to live and abide inside of you. It is salvation. It is given to you. It is given to you when you first call upon the name of the Lord. It is given to you when you first believe in Jesus Christ. God does not reserve parts of salvation in heaven and see how you handle the little bit that he's given you. And if you're doing good with it, then he dispenses more to you. If you haven't done what you're supposed to do, then God holds back some parts of salvation. My friend, salvation is fully delivered. It is fully given. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive all. There is nothing more than you can receive than the life and the nature and the presence of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Your problem, my problem today, is that we don't know what we've got. That there still remains a veil of flesh that keeps our eyes hidden from the glorious treasure that God has placed within. And if you were to examine the Paul, the prayers of Paul time and time again throughout the New Testament, you will never hear him pray, God, please give the church this. Lord, please give the church that. His prayers are directed in one way. God, open their eyes. God, grant them the spirit of revelation and knowledge in Jesus Christ and let them see the treasure that is contained within their earthen vessel. Let them see the power that has been made available to them to become sons and children of God. And I think our great prayer, our greatest prayer today, is God, please, <laughs> not that give me this or give me that, or Lord, oh, I need your strength, or God, oh, I need your holiness, or God, I need your virtue, or God, I need your power. But God, open my eyes to the holiness that is already mine in Jesus Christ. God, open my eyes to the power that I have inherited as a child of God that is working on the inside of me, that has been given to me through the presence and life of Jesus Christ. Don't you know, as Paul would say in three separate occasions, your body is no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The Holy Spirit has come to make his temple inside of you. Now we pray that God opens our eyes and causes us to see and to behold and to come into union and recognition of God's life within us. Then our prayers change. 
then as we spend time before God and our times of devotion before Him, our prayers are not, oh God, please, oh God, please give me this and give me that. It changes from a request to a heart that is overwhelmed with praise. God, thank you that you have given such a gift to someone like I. God, thank you that you have bestowed salvation upon me. God, thank you that you have filled me with the presence of your Son. Lord, continually, day by day, let my eyes open to this spiritual reality. Let me ingest it. Let it begin to permeate my thoughts and my mind. And let every single day of my walk before you be filled with a new experience of the mysteries that can be found inside of you. There is no end to this discovery process. There is a beginning, and that is when you call upon the name of Christ and you are saved. But where this exploration ends, no man has reached. For all of eternity and into all of the ages... You will continually be, your eyes will be open to greater extents of God's love that he has lavished upon you when he put Christ inside of you as a precious treasure in your earthen vessel, this body. For all of eternity, we will never come to the end of the insurmountable love of God that is revealed to us through salvation in Jesus Christ how God was satisfied with his life and how God today grants us unlimited, boundless embrace and experience of himself and draws us into union with his very life. God does not separate and give us another external life apart from himself, but as 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us, that God shares his divine nature with us. He gives us eternal life. And that eternal life is not something that starts when we finally reach heaven. That eternal life is something that starts when we receive the beautiful package in life of Jesus Christ. His life becomes our life. That hope springs in our heart. And that if you're a child of God today, you have that eternal life right now. You will never perish. Oh, this natural body may fade and die and be buried in the ground. But death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Life has been given to us. Eternal life in God. It gives us a beautiful hope. And if our eyes can be opened by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to ascend above just earthly things. We can set our affections on things that are above Colossians 3.3 and know that our citizenship is in heaven. And as your eyes are lifted, as you recognize this great presence and power of Christ within you, then my friends... The things that we have to endure in this world, the troubles and afflictions and persecutions that we go through seem small and seem little in comparison to the insurmountable, incomprehensible love of God that is given to us through God's eternal work in our heart. And if we can embrace it, my friends, it changes the decisions that we make in life. 
It changes our perspective in this world. It will change our relationships. We'll stop living for temporal things. As Paul would tell Timothy, no soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life, but he lives fully to please his master. And when you have this heavenly view, when you know this heavenly life given to you by Christ, it opens your eyes to see that this life is but given, you're given one chance, one short space on this earth, and live it to, to live it all for eternal purposes, not to store up yourselves treasures in this world, but to lay up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven. It will affect your decisions. It will affect your financial decisions. It will affect the way you raise your children. It will affect your career path in this life. When you see that you are here just for a brief moment, but that eternity is boundless and that eternity has a plan for you through what God has provided to you in his son, Jesus Christ. It is what we celebrate today in baptism. It is what we share together All of us derived, or many of us derived from different nations. It's the name of our church, the nations. Speak different languages, yet all of us bow our knee before the same cross. And with each different dialect and tongue, what comes out of our mouth for all of creation will be Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings irrespective of the place that we have and the tapestry that God has woven of nations and colors that are represented, all of us bow our knee, all of us confess with our tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master. Let us yield ourselves to him today. Let us recognize that through baptism, a memorial marker is set up. If you've gone through it, then you can look back to it and recognize a moment in time when something changed for you, when eternity came to your heart through what God accomplished in his son, Jesus Christ. That sin has been conquered and that if you will... Quit relying upon yourself and your own abilities and your own righteousness, your self-righteousness, and you will rely solely upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his holiness, his goodness, and his virtue, then virtue, then your power over sin, your power over temptation will be won as you put your faith in his ability. Oh, it's a good, good news for us today. Romans tells us that there is power in this good news. There is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I pray that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, that he brings understanding to our hearts, that as we enter our times of prayer before God, that as we come before him, our list of needs and requests gets put to the side and we get raptured in our oneness with God. We begin to harmonize in our place of union with God. And out of that beautiful union, a praise begins to fill our heart. And out of our lips doesn't come all of our needs, but a praise and an honor and a glory that belongs to God because he has lavished such good gifts upon us, his children. Out of that place of overwhelming gratitude. 
out of that place of eternal praise, then you can stand in that place of union with God in prayer and the words and petitions that you utter out before God are not filled with just your own natural desires, but they have power because they are in union with God and when they come from your mouth, they accomplish whatever they're sent to do because they are the words of God coming through you. The prayers of God. God uses your mouth as a tool and instrument to utter his word to be accomplished in this world. Your prayers begin to change their nature. They're not so earthly minded, they're heavenly minded. And you find that those that seek after God first, he takes care of all of their needs. Salvation can't be underestimated. It will never, we will never come to the end of the exploration of the infinite riches that are ours in the Godhead that He has allowed us to be partakers of. Today we celebrate that in baptism. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message that has come to our hearts today. My prayer, God, is that as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter One, also chapter three, that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that you would open the eyes of our understanding today, and that you would cause us to see the eternal hope that we have through our union with Jesus Christ, that sin has been defeated, that temptation has been overcome, that the power of the enemy has been overcome. That death has been swallowed up in victory. The grave has no more sting. Father, we thank you today for the lives that are in here and in this room. Maybe they have been baptized. Maybe they have called upon the name of the Lord. But still they sit entangled by a bondage of sin. They sit guilty. They sit filled with shame. Because their eyes have been darkened to a truth that transforms and sets free. And I pray, God, that light would come today by your Holy Spirit. Light would come to penetrate hearts, to penetrate darkness. And that the truth would liberate and set free. And that we would know that he who has the Son has life. Father, we thank you for this life. We thank you for the lives that are given to you today in baptism. They would take a bold step and say, I want to embrace this life fully. I want to take a hold of that which God has taken a hold of me for. My response to God by his great overtures of grace to my life are that I give everything that I have back into his service. My thoughts, my actions, my attitude, my heart, my will, I yield it all back to him as the only reflex that is worthy of the immense love of God that is bestowed upon us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. Father, thank you for impressing these glorious truths in our heart once again today. Thank you that we can leave this room today in that By the help of your Holy Spirit, we're not left alone to try to dissect this. But if we will yield ourselves to his working, he will begin to produce a flame inside of us that illuminates a storehouse of treasures and richness that has been given to us 
through the union we have with your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill our hearts with his knowledge today. Father, we celebrate with those today that are being baptized and recognize this beautiful gift and package of salvation that is bestowed upon us, your children. In Jesus' name, amen.